This is episode 27 of the Vinyl Detroit podcast. going to jump right into part two of my discussion with Craig Badini of Pascal, where we talked in depth about his band's 2008 release, I Was Raised on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Laura on the Grand Magistery, <laughs> which, which actually, it actually kind of leads me to the question that brought mm. that, but this question that actually, go for it. It, this is what brought up the entire idea of speaking to you and reaching out to you. Is is and it kind of goes along this vein. So when I was talking to Chris Christopher Porter, who we mentioned earlier, and and you know, there's obviously all kinds of connections, but my friend, he, my friend Chip, Chip, there we go. Um, I wasn't sure when I talked to him, can I call him Chip? You know, um, but not really. I, you're right. <laughs> um, but you know, the the the, I guess we'll we'll kind of address two parts, and I think they're related. But the elephant in the room with your work, if, if anybody listens to it or has listened to it. They're going to notice the the sheer number of melodic changes throughout a song. Yeah, I mean right. it, it is, and, and I've and I know the album, I'd say pretty well. And I was doing my daily exercising, and I was listening to it's great to exercise by the way because it just moves real fast. <laughs> and I was listening to one of the songs, and I, I I don't remember which one it was, but I pulled out my phone. I'm like, is this the same song? I'm like, I swear this is like three or four movements yeah. later. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess, really, where I'm going with this is, when I talked to Chip, he had mentioned that um, that you're like quote unquote an arranger, and he's like, and I don't know if you listened to that that discussion was. I great. did. Yeah, and he was like, you know, he's never, he's like, he's never done. Like Craig's never finished. I think I don't know if I <laughs> edited the part out, but he was talking about how, um, you know, he sent. You, you asked him for a baseline. I don't know what it was, but he, you sent, he sent it to you. And by the time you had worked it and you sent it back, it was basically gone. <laughs> you had worked it like out of the song. <laughs> no, I know. I know. So, li- listening, I, I actually really liked listening to, to Chip's interview. Cause yeah, it was fun. It, no, but it was kind of therapeutic a bit. Like, um, I loved it. I mean, it was so good. And like Chip has, Chip is another one of those amazing people. He, he's quite like Matthew in that, you know, he, he's got so many amazing stories. You know, I, did you even touch upon the time that he went like, I think in front of Congress to talk about jazz? <laughs> no. <laughs> he's so fucking amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyways, but so I think I, he, was, he was the editor of jazz time at that time. But um, so that that's amazing. Where does where does this though this this I don't I, I don't this arranging and this like like I, en- yeah. endlessly tweaking and adding and, and, and yeah I kind of I kind of started to blurt it out earlier but I'll kind of put it into this whole question but every nook and cranny of this record is like got something it's like you have you can't like not pay attention because you're gonna yes. miss like seven different yeah. things where does yeah. that come from well I mean I. 
I do think it is connected to that Prince thing because I think that's, I thought that's, you know, if you listen to certain Prince records, mm -hmm. um, you know, his arrangements, they um, evolve over the duration of three to four to five minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely some of the most his biggest pop hits might be a standard repetitive or a predictable verse chorus middle eight kind of thing but you know he had it in him to do like the most kind of avant-garde arrangements yeah and true. i think as a kid and i i think george clinton and you know david bowie these are all things that like my brother you know would kind of go like hey this is music you should know like there's a lot of I, I from an from a dumb kids vision and even like the big band stuff my dad saying like there's a beginning and all there's all these different parts I, I kind of maybe from a very early age just thought like music is a bunch of different things that are pulled together in a kind of lovely sounding amalgamation you know mm -hmm. and you know whether that was the real case for most pop music or not i kind of think that's what i thought it should be like i i thought it and i i also feel like i thought that maybe that's what music should be like a series of interesting ideas. And then I, and, and because like every time you kind of repeat yourself, it feels not as fun as yep. some new bit, you know? Yep. 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 Um, and, you know, I, I just think from being so unschooled about music, you know, I, I had my, my brother, Chris, who's, the only one that kind of gave me any kind of training was a horrible teacher in that <laughs> he was, his whole thing was figure out yourself. And so I would say like, Hey, you know, there's a song I want to learn. that's like, I guess it's like G to A. And he's like, dude, just put your fingers down the fretboard. If it sounds good, then it's good. If it sounds like shit, it's shit. <laughs> I was like, okay. And like, so he never really answered my question, but <laughs> it, it literally, like, I still do that today where, you know, I'll just put my fingers wherever and go like, does this sound good? Wow. You know, I don't know what chord it is or any, it doesn't matter if it sounds good to my ear. Like, so what he taught me in that was like, I am, I, I'm the authority. Like, if it sounds good to me, it must be good. And so, like, as I'm writing things, I will do weird. I, I feel like I'm never comfortable with doing like a G to F to A or something. Sure. Like, I need to do that chord that sounds good to me, whatever it is. And then, like, it's almost like a kind of chord that I need to look up because I don't know what it is. <laughs> I figure it's down and hope for the best. And, you know, if it sounds good, it is. And, you know, so it was a very frustrating way to learn about music. And I always feel like it's taking me way longer than most people to, to do a lot of the things that I can do maybe today that 
people half my age figured out early on because they had the training. But it did kind of put my mind in a certain way of like, I felt the way that I wrote music was the way you're supposed to write it. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know any better. Right, you didn't know any different. So yeah. you, you know, I did. It did come to me what the song was that I uh, that I was listening to because yeah. I, w- I would like to play it actually. Um, it's we made our way. We Amtracked and oh, yeah. love it. I mean, it's 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 just it's got so many good parts to it. Um, I mean, is there a story there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, th- a, a lot of the songs on that last record, there, there's. You know, I, I think there's amazing stories for everyone. Um, so for that one, and I'll try to be brief as I can, but that one, I feel like there's a real life story and then there's a musical story. The real life story was, it was kind of like a journal, journalistic in a way that I'm journaling, not being a journalist, but it was a way of like me remembering the first time I ever left Detroit. Mm. Like as as a individual, not with my parents or something like that. uh, Yeah, on my own. And so I was in the senior of high school and I I had these friends who were much more well-off than I, and they were like, hey, let's, you know, let's take a trip to Toronto. And, you know, before I, I met them or were in high school, I, I would never have a way to do that. But like the only way I had to do that was kind of like through these these friends that you know had parents that could pay for a room and all this kind of stuff. Like, um, and so that that chronicled that first ever foray outside of Detroit for me. Mm-hmm. Like and, and like anything in a real way and maybe a mature way, even though I was only like. 17 or 18. And so that was a trip of me going with close friends to Toronto and like seeing a real city before I saw any American city. Like, I mean, I knew Detroit because I lived there, but like a, like a real, like thriving city or Chicago or New York, like I didn't, I wasn't familiar with that. So like to see like Toronto, which is kind of like a cleaned up version of, well, it's kind of like Chicago. In a way, it's similar to Chicago. It, it was like mind mind blowing, but like the whole experience, like it's a very um, and, uh, the song is inspired by my naivete. Um, there, there, <clears throat> there's some lyrics that are knowingly, um, God, I, I don't know how to say it, but like they're they're kind of like knowingly short short sighted um and 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 not pc mm-hmm. i don't know have you looked at those lyrics i haven't but i'm going to now tonight actually yeah so, <laughs> um I, I traveled there with a friend of mine who's filipino and i i think i've got some filipino kind of jokes in there a bit mm. um and, and it's like it, it's it's like young man humor a lot sure. of it's like all it's 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 like it's young man humor and like observational things yeah. so like the young man humor it's 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 naivete 
kind of at its worst, <laughs> you know, where, um, God, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but, you know, um, God, we should look this up. This is why don't bad. We, why, don't we, why don't we listen to it? And then we'll let our listeners or my listeners or whoever's listeners they are yeah. listen for <laughs> it. Because, I, you know, I've listened to this song so many times, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts. I'm, I'm so much of a melody guy. I'm probably a lyric guy last. Yes. Uh, but what I'm finding by doing this podcast is I'm starting to understand the, the meaning of some of these songs. And now oh, I'm, yeah. I'm slowly becoming a lyric guy. It's it just, it's almost like, like looking like having a pair of glasses, but having a lens in one of the frame, one of the sides, I'm starting to put a, a lens in the other side. It's so weird. Like, no. Yeah. And you know like, what I mean, I do know what you mean. And so we, we made our way, we Amtrak like, and um oh what's it what's it there's another one that you pointed out that i'm like oh yeah that's an important song um uh, what's another one uh you were told from yeah me. yeah oh yeah we're gonna get to that one next those two songs in a way at that point in my life that those are the are, they're kind of like the story of my life like those two songs kind of like tackle everything from craig zero to 30 you know it's it's kind of in intense in that two songs can do that but they they both were able to do that well they're my two favorite on the album and i'm not i mean because i think they're so i mean frankly they are so personal and they mean so much yes let's let's listen to we made our way we amtracked from uh pascal's album here we go Too badly. 
to the southeast of saturn compilation which yeah um, you know has kind of made its way through some of these episodes i think it is just fantastic and and of course it was a time that meant a lot to me so you know i, I had obviously seen ashavita live and i had seen a yeah. lot of those people live and um you know chip and all that stuff it when i saw i mean i got like chills like are they really doing this i, I wanted to ask you right. you know what 
because you you're kind of featured on two different tracks you've got obviously the ashavita track and the yeah. solo track i think it's solo but um it is yeah. yeah yeah how was it working with the folks at third man like how did that come up i, I just i'd love to know more well um that you know that that was a great kind of surprise at the same time i i do look at that period of time with extra special um just affection and i always look at that time as a music fan that like looks at the summer of love oh, or, yeah. what what you know all these other like you know you know london swing scene whatever it is but that was detroit's you know for me like i'm sure there's something happening right now that is equal to that but like for me like going to zoots and seeing these bands and then being one of those bands just made everything possible like um it was and, and i knew it at that time too that's that's a that's the beauty of all of it i remember going like this is like the summer of love like this yeah. this is all the things i read about all you know, like I, I was real big at that time the, the people that mattered to me most was like sid barrett and mm -hmm like Lothar and the hand people, like some weird ass <laughs> shit. Like, but I, I just reading about happenings and like, you know, where art meets music, avant-garde art meets avant-garde music and like Terry Riley and all this crazy shit. I, I felt like, no, that's what we're doing right now in Detroit. Yeah. And, and ah, I just, I would go, I, I was, I was a student at Wayne State at the moment there. So, and and then I literally lived in the city of Detroit, like maybe five minutes away from there. So wow. my whole life was right there. And it all kind of came to a place that I was so happy that, you know, where all of a sudden all the weird, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood where it, it was kind of like, the kind of shoes that you were wearing was very important mm -hmm. the music you were listening to. and i was always into that stuff but then into my own weird shit as well like you know when i was describing yeah i could be into african nevada but like i'd also be the kid going like you know they stole that from uh you know craft work <laughs> and like and all that you know had meaning to me and and when zoots popped up it's like all these things that were just like thrown at me as a kid that was hard I, I was having a hard time maybe even processing what it all means it seemed to all make sense there and i felt like i ran into other people that it made sense to them yep. and like i could relate stories that they'd be like oh yeah I, you know um john cage yeah he's cool you know like <laughs> I, it just felt like there was a lot of people that were you know like into minded. the same shit i yeah. was into. yeah right right and, and, and it, you had to you had to look i mean detroit at the time at least in the you know suburban area and even there you kind of had to seek out at least we had to seek out like-minded people and that's where oh, we ended did, up as yeah. well yeah yeah and then you just kind of bumped into people like i i worked in an antique store that, that i mean that's actually how i met jack white was him and his uncle were doing, um, uh, they were, you know, refurbishing mm -hmm. old pieces of, you know, 
furniture and things like that, upholstery and stuff. And so I worked in a antique store. And so Jack would come in and try to get some business from us. And like, and that, oh, and that's the same way that I met Chip, who totally erroneously remembers us meeting in uh, Royal Oak. No. Uh, he was wrong it was dearborn Ah. i worked at yeah so right out of high school during high school and right out of high school i worked at an antique store called retro image on michigan avenue in dearborn which was a bus ride away from my home in detroit and i could never work in royal oak that'd be too fucking far away (laughs) um but and i kind he remembers me listening to luna I think I was listening to Galaxy 500. <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> you know, nonetheless. You know, I think he, I think he texted me like a couple of weeks ago out of the blue, and he did have a couple corrections. He's like, you know what? I remember I said this, but I really yeah. meant this. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, and like, um, I, I, I remember I was listening to it like maybe the night that you guys posted, and I was uh-huh. like, no. <laughs> And being a little bit regional, I was like, it was Dearborn. <laughs> Very provincial. It was so bad that he took my luck. But yeah, so it was, it was definitely Dearborn. And he just popped into like the weird little antique store that I worked in like eight years of my life. And like the only happiness I had working there was, you know, I was in total control of the music. Yeah, right. So I made mixtapes. And when he walked in, it was either Galaxy 500 or Luna, whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, hey, <laughs> like, is this Luna or whatever? And I'm like, yeah. And like, we, from that, he was like, um, I'm being interviewed on NPR tonight. And he was being interviewed by, and I love this guy. Hold on one second. Let me think of it. I can't remember his name. Mm, maybe I can't. But he was, he was a, kind of a big, him and his, I think, husband now. But definitely their boyfriend then. Um, these two guys had a great show on um, our version of, uh, or WDET. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be on this tonight. And I was like, hey, I'm in a band. And I, and I, you know, what I played him for Pascal was pretty wild stuff. It was, <laughs> it was like weird drum hits. And I, I think I was playing the flute. I cannot, <laughs> I can't play the flute. You know, it was like all weird shit. And he's like, I'm going to play this tonight. <laughs> and, he did, and he did. And like, we were just right after that. I mean, of course we became like fast friends and like, wow. I, you know, forever, I, consider like chip is one of my closest friends and this has been since like the early 90s from chance meeting of him just like walking in and over music and i do feel like back then if you heard someone if someone like one band you know it it meant a lot you know i know exactly what you're saying you, you you can go like okay you you like that band so that means like then you probably like all this other shit and I love that too. So we're going to be friends. Yeah. And you're okay with me. You're right. Yeah. Wow. So I think I kind of just fell into a lot of this shit and like even the Jack White stuff and like he was friends with 
Richard Panic. I was never really friends with him. He, he's definitely continued to work with Matthew Jacobson and things yep. like that. So yep. been close to people I've worked with, but not me personally. But I, I was a student at Wayne State with, um, uh, oh God, hold on one second. I'm, I'm, I'm losing, I'm getting that old guy thing. <laughs> Lost your train um, of thought. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. No, but uh, a, a person that works with him right now for- Ben uh, Black. No, not Ben, although I'm like, you know, I could be, I'm friendly with him. Hold on. Um, Buick, Dave oh, yeah. Buick. Dave Buick, yep. Dave Buick. I just knew Dave Buick from school and, and the music scene. So I remember Wayne State. I was in a class with Dave Buick. And I remember kind of thinking he, I remember seeing him going, that kid looks cool. <laughs> and then it was a poetry class. It could have been Bernard Levine's. I don't think it was. <laughs> but I remember someone saying like, hey, who's a poet that you admire? And, and Dave Buick said, uh, Bob Dylan. Oh. And I remember going, fuck you, you suck. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in my brain, I remember going, you pretentious asshole. Uh, but then like, not not so long after that i met him and i really like it's been like a long-term like fandom of him and i love him yeah but, i actually i sent him an idea for a uh a reissue series oh yeah yeah so I, i'm sure he's usually very to open to that oh he was stuff. really cool about it in fact yeah. he had said after i told uh, he was just really open and he was like i would love to do something oh. with that catalog so I don't yeah. know if that's you know something he they they maybe they can't with licensing or whatever, but yeah. You know what? And I, this is a little thing from Rich Hansen, who is the guy behind the um, yes. space rock thing. Yep. Rich, Rich, you know the great. I love Rich. Yep. The thing with Rich is he's kind of like every couple months he's probably nagging debuting. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's how he rolls, and I think that's how he got that done because. I remember him reaching out to me, going, "Would you be interested?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, why not?" Yeah. And then, like four months later, him going, "Like, hey, I haven't heard anything from anybody, but I'm going to start bugging Dave." I'm like, "Do it." <laughs> and like, over maybe another year, then he got it done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, yeah, it, it pays to bug. But I think Dave, Dave's always looking for something. He just because I, I, I go. So me personally. Uh, and before me and you talked, I sent the Pascal guys a note. I'm like, hey, you've got 20 years, get in shape. Because I'm thinking in another 20 years, people are going to start like pulling us out of obscurity. And then we're going to have to kind of pray, perform for these kids. And so get yourself ready. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm always intrigued by these musicians myself like i always love you know i i know from maybe being one that there's a, a bunch of amazing people that maybe don't ever get their due or their amount of time of notice and acknowledgement yep. Yep. and so i'm always looking for these people myself and so i've sent a number of people <laughs> to dave too and like you know it doesn't always you know like he's been interested in people that doesn't always work out yep. like yep. um and and like in my thing like the guy passed away you know like before yeah. anything could happen you know so like dave had an interest but like maybe like the guy just 
Oh my goodness. He was kind of interested, but then never did anything about it and then passed away. You know? So it's like, oh. um, yeah, so there's that. But I, I would, you know, keep in touch with them because I do think like Jack and Dave and others and Ben and all those guys, especially if there's a Detroit connection, like yep. they're extra like committed to that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I and I can tell. I mean, they that that collection is, and I'm sure for some people who just aren't from here, they're just a little distant from it. But yeah. I've had quite a bit of conversation with people through Instagram, just messaging, and and who have picked it up, and are like, I had no idea like this ever happened. Like, oh yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. And, but yeah. but to us, I mean, it was like it was everything. Yeah. No, I I kind of think about Pascal like that. Too. Yeah. Like. I, um, you know, it's, I, I, I know Pascal was something great. Like, and I, I know, I know the work that we, that we did together was something special and I gave it an extra bit of me. Cause even the work that I do now, even my solo stuff, I, you know, I, I definitely don't do the autobiographical stuff as much. I, you know, I'm, I'm actually much more into like uh, the William S. Burroughs, mm -hmm. uh, Bowie kind of cut up collage. And that, that comes from that arranger idea. Like yep. I, I kind of am much more into the idea of just arranging lyrics until they make sense instead of that. Because I'm, I, I, you know, I detected in myself that it takes a long time for me to get the words right if I'm trying to live up to the memory of a grandfather or something like sure. that, no, like right. something very heavy. And so I try not to burden myself with that kind of stuff anymore. So like, I, I love working with my daughter because um, I do feel like I still kind of pull out some of that overly wrought arrangements mm -hmm. in pop music, you know? So I'm working in a context of maybe like an Ariana Grande meets, you know, like a Cardi B, SZA or, you know, whoever, but I, I you know, I'm still writing the songs that I all, like in the way that I always write yep. them, that yep. I'm not so concerned about a chorus or things like that. Like I'm more concerned about like, hey, this part leads to this part, leads to this part, leads to this part, leads to this part. And so um, I, I, you know, keep on doing that even, even with my own daughter's stuff, you know? And I was going to ask you about that. And, and, and I guess it may be more from a, Obviously, I'm a, I'm not obviously, but I have a daughter. I think they're pretty similar in age. And how is it? How cool is it to work with her? Yeah, no, it's a, it's the best. You know, it, it it really is. So, um, it it's the best in that I, I you know I always kind of keep my ear to like whatever's. I always try to listen like what's happening right now. Yeah, and I've always been really into like hip hop and things like that anyways. But then she comes at it a little bit different in that she's a bit more R&B. Um, so like SZA, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, and people like that. And who I've always liked, but maybe I wouldn't go as deep. True. And like having gone deep 
like I think like the first scissor records to me is not much difference from like the Pascal album like it's grandiose ideas you know and you're wrestling with a, a history of like pop music but then you trying to do your own spin on, on it and trying to do something really new with it mm-hmm. you know and like so i it a lot of things if i really think about it it's not new it's like i don't i don't necessarily hear anything that i'm ever like i've never ever thought of that or heard of that before but it's just like it's fucking inspirational like you know what i mean like in the same way that like sid barrett was inspiration to me at 20 you know and like someone like um uh scott walker was inspirational to me at like 25 or something like that yep you know and like now like devendra banhart or uh, aldous harding or kate laban are very inspirational to me it's like it, it all is equally inspirational to me, you know, like, and so writing music for Viv, my daughter, you know, I come at it exactly the same way. And I, uh, I, I, I'm never, I never feel like musician wise, even though I could play a lot of different things, I never feel like I'm great at any of it, but I, I do feel like I'm a good arranger and I could, I'm a good at, at like vocal kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm able to bring that to her music and like all her music. If you ever hear any, the background vocals, I'm usually that, that person. <laughs> I'm speeding up my vocals and doing, you know, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Things with that. But like, I, I'm that I'm her backup singer a lot of times. Yeah, um, pretty cool. It is awesome, but yeah. it's badass. But that, you know, what it does is it gives me an outlet for all those years of really very deeply listening to Prince and like every little grunt and woo and every little fucking little thing. You know, he was such a, um, you know, he knew everything he was doing, everything he was uh even if it came across as a bit improvisational and from the hip, he was so like aware of every little bit of it. And I, I took so much inspiration from that. Like he's so beyond everybody, mm-hmm. like just gleaning a little bit of that has always kind of like guided me. And so like, I definitely get to do some princey shit with Viv stuff. So, uh, yeah, in a review of the album, uh, you had made mention that uh, it was like in a little box on the uh, website, but that, you know, you have daddy issues and and really, I'm not going to ask what those are. That's not for this. But what I was kind of curious about was, you know, the song You Were Too Old For Me, which, again, is my my favorite track on the album. Uh, One of my literally one of my favorite tracks that I've ever heard. I mean, I find it that I I'm, I'm humming it and I'm working through parts of it in my head a lot of times during the day. Um, but I'd like to know like kind of what that relationship with your dad, uh, and what, what kind of influence that had on your songwriting. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, within the context of Pascal, I, I think that was, I think that was the, like kind of the best, 
most important song um, we wrote. Um, it, a lot of, I would say most of all of Pascal's stuff was kind of my family, me writing about my family mythology a bit. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's autobiography, but I, I was so much younger than everybody in my family. Yeah. Um, you know, my siblings, but like, you know, my, my father was so much older than me. He was in his, I think, mid to late forties when I was born. And so, so much of it, you know, just kind of had like kind of um, like a mythology about it. And mm -hmm. so that, that one song is, you know, to me, you know, it, that is the song, you know, agree. It, it's maybe the most important track I, I wrote during Pascal in that. And I, it was one that a lot of times when I would write a song, I would, um, I, you know, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, like I would kind of flesh it out a lot. Like I would write the bass line, drums, guitar, whatever, you know, whatever. And like share it with the band. I remember that one in particular, I, I, my band a lot of times was like my audience. Like I would write songs and hope that they would respond to it. Mm -hmm. And that, that one, it's like, it seemed like it was kind of universal, like everybody responded to it. And I think it, it literally is kind of the story of my life. Like that one song, it, at least up until that point in my life, it's about all the key people in my family. Um, it's about me, it's about my wife, it's about my children, like so much stuff, you know? Uh, and it, it, the song morphs as a life morphs and changes. And like, it, it was a lot, you know, it was very, very heavy. And mm -hmm. as I remember it, I, um, I had a really horrible job I hated where I worked for the uh, un unemployment office. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I knew a, I was, I worked there long enough to kind of like learn enough that you could take a family medical leave, you know, when a child is born. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so I have two kids, I have a son and a daughter. And when my son was born, he's the younger one, I, I took as much time as I could take. And it was like three months or something. Yep. And I was able, and, and the other thing that happened during that time was I think we made some money like um, through Pascal, you know, by companies using our songs for television advertisements and things like that. And so I was able to take off three months. And in that three months, I think I wrote a lot of the songs that were on the album, you know, not like the Vogues, which me and Chip wrote, and like there's a few that I didn't write, but or during that time, but like most of it, I you know I, I had like three months that I went to town on it. But I would say the main thing I wrote was, and I knew it like at the time, and I knew of its important that 
importance was um, that particular song. I just, it just felt like, <clears throat> it felt like it was my autobiography at that moment. And it was, mm -hmm. I think it was only like, you know, early thirties or 30, I don't know how old I was. I was not that old, but I did feel like this is who I am in, <laughs> you know, in totality. And like, I, I really did try to do a lot in that song like so lyrically it's me telling a story about my family it's me trying to relate the humor of my family it's me trying to relate the myth making that my father did about the family it's me trying to do like a lot of things in a lyrical way but then musically i was trying to do a lot of things too because like you know there's a lot of um I guess movements yep. within the song, yep. and so, and I know you you mentioned something about Queen or something, yep. and I I've, I've never been a fan of Queen except when I was a very little kid, and I like the Queen stuff that sounded like rap music at the time, <laughs> so that that doesn't necessarily work in this, but I remember there's a certain I don't. Uh, like there's a certain bit in that song mm -hmm. that I was definitely thinking like I'm trying to be like Freddie Mercury, but like you know, Freddie Mercury would be doing right now. Like I, <laughs> I, I did have that like elevated kind of, um, you know, and I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I, I, I even tell my daughter this. I'm like, you do, if you're getting out there and like making a piece of art, it should be the most important thing in the world. You know, like you, that's, that's what, how you should kind of come at it. Like what I'm offering is the most important thing anybody should be caring about right now. Like, and, and granted, there's numerous people that can make that claim and probably people that deserve it and those that don't, but like, you know, that, that, you know, I feel, I kind of do feel like in that song, I was really trying to be like, Hey, this is who we are as a band, this is who I am as a songwriter. This is what I have to offer the world. It's this fucking song, you know? And, and on top of it all, it's a story of my personal family's life. You know, like there's so much in that song that's like stuff that like my grandmother said or my dad said or my mom said, or, you know, it's, or, or things that I thought about when my, my son was born and my daughter, you know, like, and even oh, things that like other people don't know, like that I know that is just so personal. So that I, I'm happy that you care about that song because yeah. I would say out of all of them, that's the one I probably care about the most because it was me going like, this is literally everything I have to offer you right now. Like in, like in any way I can artistically, this is what I can do. And, and that was, that was that song. Well, it, it, I mean, it came through many times over and, you know, if, if anybody who hears this, you know, if anybody's listening, I'm just kidding. Um, if anybody hears this, this is the track and, um, don't listen to it once you, you got to give it a couple tries. And, you know, once you've heard Craig's intro, which is basically what that was to this song, um, it's, it's going to mean a lot more because it, it's always meant a lot to me as, as a pop song and 
just a well-constructed, I freaking love like the little piano at the end. It just crushes me every time. Um, but, but I think if, if, if you give this some listen and, and now in terms of the context, you just put it in, it's it. And I, and I don't throw these words around at all, but I mean, I consider it a masterpiece, frankly. Um, it's, it's like I said, it's one of my favorite songs period. And, uh, I, you know, I consider myself someone who's heard a lot of songs in my day. And, um, I think I I just, I'm going to play that one here. Uh, after that, we're going to come back just with a couple small things I wanted to just kind of run by you. Um, but we're going to hear You Were Too Old For Me, and please give this a listen. Give it a listen a couple times. I, I guarantee you, um, you you're going you're gonna to take something away from it. So uh, let's go ahead and listen to that right now. You were too old for me Although there was some apprehension The plan is to wait and see What God alone has brought together Well, must be something Well, it must be something Much too old for me All the shortness of breath and the missteps never Well, they never really faced me And all your old stories of war and depression were Well, they were really something Were they really something? Well, they must be something Not long ago pray to well 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 everybody needs one thing that's untouchable oh and i've got you and if anything i know is true you ain't going anywhere soon going anywhere soon going anywhere soon you are too Talking about you while the heads return, looking into each other's eyes through blood and film. Oh, oh, oh. No, I could not speak to you. Now, every little thing you ever did wrong was washed all the way from the day I was born. And from the day I was born, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, it's just what I thought. Well, it's just what I thought. Oh, 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 
I wanted Leave the number to your room I thought it would be so much smarter To just stay in Just stay in Just stay in No, I didn't believe them when they told me you lost all your hair And I'm not listening now when they say you're in that free-flowing fish in the air Everybody needs someone they could pray to I know I do, yeah Everybody needs the one thing that's untouchable Oh, and I've got you And I don't give a damn if what they say is the truth Because everybody needs a little thing just like you You know, and then when I read, I read that, that review and you'd made that mention about it, that it was like about the family. I was, that just blew me away, honestly. Well, yeah. And like, and actually I'm remembering the lyrics. It's, it's kind of just about everything. Like that one song was just about everything. Like there's, um, so, you know, there's just there's so much infused in it. It's almost too much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. When you've lived, when you've lived it, I mean, every, yeah, every line is like a life, you know, yes. it's a life experience. It's not just a line in a song. No, it's almost like, I feel like it's a burden, like to throw it on other people. Like, oh. what it, but, but yeah, that, that one was a big deal. And it, it, it took me a long, it, it was, I, we, we made some money off of, um, you know, having music in uh, advertisements, mm-hmm. I, I was able to kind of like not work, uh, you know, not not work for the man for a little bit, mm-hmm. and like just kind of be in the studio. And that that was that was one of the songs that came out of that. And I just remember 
just in my own brain going like okay this was worth it like this yeah. this was like just such an honest i don't know expression of my life as i see it today you know it was a really it was i i i always do think and i thought it at that moment and i think of it today as it was a it, you know it was an honest just piece of art like i, I it wasn't you know necessarily like a pop song and it was just like some ex like true expression that i was so happy to be able to do because i felt like a lot of pascal i and i still kind of do it today i don't sing about too many things really it's most you know and when you mention them i have daddy issues um it, it's not horribly negative daddy issues like the other people talk about, but it's just the fact that I focus on my dad a lot and like sure. the things that I learned from him and my experience with him. Um, and even in my current songs, like when I'm writing them, it's still, you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like just haunting and not a horrible way. Sure. I understand. You no, know, and yep. in kind of like a Casper the Friendly Ghost kind <laughs> of way, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's not scary. It's just that thing that, like, it's I, and I do feel like it's my little unique contribution to like the American like canon of music. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm kind of expressing this unique little relationship I have with my dad, like. Yeah. And a bit of it is my dad was like a real big talker. Um, and I'm not this, I don't think I'm this way. I hope I'm not this way. But my dad was a very big talker and like definitely, yeah, he he wanted you to kind of like respect him and yep. things like that. And like, I believed in a lot of that stuff. And I'm not saying one shouldn't or should or whatever, but like I did kind of, buy into a lot of the, the stuff that he was talking about and some of it was bullshit and some of it wasn't but I, I you know I bought into it and so like a lot of my songwriting has been me kind of expressing that kind of stuff like I felt like he was a storyteller and being a good storyteller doesn't necessarily mean being a good truth teller <laughs> true you know and and like because i hear from my older siblings like they're like ah that's not true and that's bullshit and whatever but i think he was good at telling a story and so like from him kind of talking about all this stuff like i you know i just try to do that in song and and i, I kind of still try to do that today and i i don't write too much more than that and so when i say i have daddy issues it's not super negative, sure. but it, it is kind of the focus. It's like my sweet spot of writing. When I start really writing lyrics, it tends to fall into the things I learned from my, my dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they, I mean, you know, it's, it's, as you know, I mean, you're a dad, so you know, yeah. that you're, you're the, you know, you're going to be your son's, you know, biggest influence forever. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and that's what he was to you. And it's not like you, you didn't know it at the time. He didn't probably even know it at the time, but no. that's who he was. And I mean, it's, yeah. it's so, it's so good. And I, 
I just, no, it I think, is still there. yeah, I thank you for it. But I guess on the flip side of that, and, and I really, this is one of my last questions for you. And I've actually asked everybody the same question because, you know, <laughs> the answers have been really interesting, but, um, you know, after looking back on the album, it's probably been about 13 years since it was released, maybe a little bit more than that now. Is there anything glaring that you would have done differently either with the album or just during that era? Oh, I, yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I think I'm, I, I, I'm known to overthink things and to belabor things and, you know, to like, just work on things too long. Uh And I think it's taken me a very, like with my daughter's work, um, she pushes me in a way that I um, that I, I I kind of am not able to kind of fall into my tendencies of being over analytical mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I really love everything I've done with her. So, you know what I mean? So like, I feel great about the, I, I feel great about everything I've co-written or produced with my daughter. Like, I love it all. And a lot of it is her going like, I need this done by <laughs> April 29th. We don't have five years, dad. <laughs> no, you know, like her giving me very specific dates I need to get shit done. And like, um, and I'm really, really happy with the results of that. So if anything, I, I kind of wish that maybe I didn't, over you know i i probably was over and i have i've read um a few um critiques about our album i was raised on matthew merrick luke and laura it were people said like it's overwrought and i i don't doubt it is you know like i wasn't i didn't work at the time i only focused on working on that record and in many ways at the time, I was kind of by myself. I, I wrote much of it and demoed it on my own. And then in a weird way, brought the people in, Mas- in Pascal in to kind of just say like, okay, this is the baseline I wrote. What can you do with it? This is the drum beat I wrote. What can you do with it? Yeah. Instead of having them come at it and, and kind of contributing like what they would do, I kind of are, you know, I, I kind of did too much too soon. Like yep. I, I did a, a lot of it and like, especially like you were too old for me. Like it's not very different from my demo really. Like wow. I figured out that whole song over a certain period of time on my own, every single section of it. Jeez. And then I gave it to the band and then they, they made it better than I did. But like, I think it, it could have even been better, possibly, if I would have just gave them like my voice and a guitar or something. You know what sure. I mean? Like, yep. Yep. like sure. Jesse is a fucking brilliant drummer. Brilliant. Yeah, he's so good. I didn't have to do all the drum bits, mm-hmm. you know, and same with the, the bassist. I didn't have to do all, you know, so, but I kind of just felt. And and a lot of it was coming from that weird shit of like, well, Prince did it, like he played all the, so I had a lot of that stuff 
where my early influences of, of a one man machine doing yeah. it all and me think, and I still kind of wrestle with this stuff today. It's like, I, a lot of times I just rather do it all myself, mm -hmm. even if it takes me like five years instead of five months or five days. Like <laughs> I, you know, there's this, there is a certain nice pleasure in me figuring it all out. And like, I also, I like the fact that if I'm mad at anybody, I'm mad at myself. I'm not mad at a friend of mine or, you know, I've been in a band with my nephew. He and I were in a, um, uh, we, we had a duo called Casmer and Casmer. We were signed to like a British label. And uh, I'd rather be like just pissed at myself or <laughs> pushing myself. You know what I mean? Like, yep, I do. Rather than p pushing a loved one or, you know, so I, I don't know what it is, but um, I, I, I have this weird thing where I long to collaborate with like anybody that dabbles with any instrument at all. But at the same time, I, I, I'm probably best just like, you know, doing it on my own. And, yeah. Oh, I hear you. Know. you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely understand. It, it, I, I, I get it. And, you know, I'm, I was amazed when, when I think you said it here that, I mean, you basically brought all those ideas to the band and, you know, they kind of filled it out from there because I just, there's so many movements and melodic changes. It's just, yeah. it's almost like for one person to have come up with that, you know, initial idea yeah. is, is pretty amazing to be honest. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, it depends. Oof. I don't know. I mean, in a way it's kind of like a dummies like take on what, like what a song should be like. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you're not giving yourself enough credit in my opinion, but that's, that's okay. I mean, I, you know, obviously the the band was super important to it too. I mean, there's no overlooking it. I mean, I was listening to it today on my lunch and I was just thinking, man, he is the freaking drummer, like extraordinaire to be able to like make oh, yeah. all of those changes and no. I mean, there's rhythm. It's just, there's so much. No, just, and yeah, Jesse is the very, you know, he, he, he's an artist a and then a drummer second he, he's just such an amazing drummer and he dealt with me <laughs> you know it was really fucked up like because i was not a drummer but i would write the drum parts as i thought they should be <laughs> and then i would dictate them to him oh boy he was always so cool about it because he would be like you know i respect you know you're you're coming at this from a non-drummer perspective. And I appreciate that because like, I wouldn't necessarily think about it myself, right. you know, like to do a fill that way, or at that point in the arrangement, you know, like I'd wait until at this point, instead of that, like you're doing it early and that's interesting. And like, so he's always like really cool about that stuff, but that's cool. yeah, I don't know. Those guys are like, I, you know, I, I happened upon a really amazing group of, um, musicians that kind of went along with me because I, I was coming out of Ashavita. I was very much like, uh, it was a kind of a joke of like in 1999, because I love Prince because we're going to party, right? Because 1999. In 1999, I would start a pop band and I did 
kind of envision it to be like, and I'm going to be the boss. You know? <laughs> so it's going to be this way and that way. And like, I think all these really great people that I worked with from like Gerald to Trevor Nod, who's in Zuzu Berlin and, and um, Gene Corderai, who's Kevin Boyle, who's the guitarist, Jesse, who's the drummer, like all, all these amazing people who are just great musicians on their own. They kind of allowed me to do my thing and to support me in my fucking crazy thing where I was literally writing only about my dad, mainly maybe a little bit about my grandmother. And like, it was, it was kind of nuts. It like, sounds crazy. Was, when, you, when you put it that way, it sounds crazy. <laughs> if you look at most of the lyrics and things like that, the songs were, you know, there weren't many subjects. There's probably like three subjects. Yeah. And like they were going along with all this shit and like the idea of like having to go to a show and remember all these fucking parts <laughs> so you know it, it it was a lot to ask of anybody and like so oh. i'm so happy happy that i'm you know still friends with the, all these people today yeah. like we were you know i warned them and i was like hey i'm <clears throat> i'm talking about this today warrant you know i'm gonna talk talk about a bunch of crazy shit <laughs> well Warning. Yeah. yeah well i appreciate it i i just this has been absolutely just wonderful for me and um you know i thank you for for spending this time with me today to talk about the album and it, it's meant a lot to me over the years and um i'm gonna, definitely going to be you know kind of promoting the, the crap out of this thing because i'm <laughs> i'm very i'm very happy with I'm very proud of the fact that we got to speak about it because it has meant that much to me. So Craig, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. And thank you so much too. Cause um, there's so much that have gone into it. And I feel like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and like, I I'm no different than a lot of people that you've talked to. Like, you know, we, we all, so many of the people that you've talked to, we all come about this in an ultra passionate way and we're all so dedicated to somehow expressing whatever it is that we're trying to express. And it's, I think it's a beautiful thing that someone, you know, this many years on is like, hey, I think that's still important. And we should still examine that and still listen to that and still hear what these people have to say. And so thank you for all that. Oh, my pleasure. We're going to, uh, and thank you for the kind words, of course. Uh, we're going to close out this episode with Craig Bedini of uh, Pascal, where we spoke uh, quite a bit at length about um, their, their. I guess it would be their debut album. It was their album that came after a bunch of EPs. Uh, I was raised on um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Laura. I want to make sure I get all the names. And um, we're going to close out the show with another one of my favorite tracks. Uh, in fact, uh, I've listened to it quite a few times today, and uh, it is called Oh Honey, We're Ridiculous. It's one of my mm. favorites on the album. And uh, Craig, thank you again. Thank you. Great. Have a good day. Peace. Oh honey, we're ridiculous. All our hopes and dreams are such silly things. They're just, well, they're just like us. And the schools were right, and God knows they were wrong to carry on. Ridiculous Like the overweight to the crippled leg There are nine
nasty names for people like us And be it's an animal, vegetable, criminal mind And it's ours until we lie With the dirty air coming both of our eyes And cover our eyes They're often dismissed They're never gonna kiss us hope you enjoyed these two episodes of my discussion with Craig Badini of Pascal. I found Craig to be just a wonderful storyteller, uh, an endearing musical soul that I probably could have spent even more hours speaking to. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go check out the full album. I was raised on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Laura on the Grand Magistery by Pascal. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I want to thank Craig Badini of Pascal for joining me on this special two-part episode where we spoke about his band's 2008 release entitled I Was Raised on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Laura. We're going to close out this show with a non-LP track, but we did discuss it during this episode, and it's entitled Poor Maud. 
Again, thank you for listening. Put your hat on. Hey, 
Train of the Penobscot, Penobscot, Jungle Highway.